0: Hi, Beauties. This is the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so grateful to have you part of the conversation. Hi, Beauties. Welcome back, season three, episode eight. Today, I had the honor of speaking with Nancy Joe Sales. She is an award winning journalist, best selling author, and documentary filmmaker. She's recognized for her deep insights into youth culture, women's issues and technology. From her beginnings with prominent publications like New York magazines and Harper's Bazaar, Nancy's passion and dedication have led her to explore and shed light on the challenges faced by women and young individuals in today's digital age. I discovered Nancy from her bestselling book, American Girls, Social Media, and the Secret Lives of Teenagers. This book is so eye-opening. It's so educational, and I just really wanted to meet her and learn more from her. So in our episode today, Nancy shares her passion behind her influential work and advocacy, We dive into all of it today from feminism, misogyny, the adverse effects of digital technology on our society but also on our children. We also chat about how to liberate ourselves and our children from society's beauty expectations. Nancy is such a gem. She's authentic, she's wise, she's honest, and she's a trailblazer. I learned so much from her and I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you enjoy it too. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Bridget Burick-Brown. Today, I'm here with Nancy Jo Sales. I discovered Nancy um, by reading her book, American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Life of Teenagers. It is shocking, fascinating. Eye-opening and very educational. It's an absolute must-read, I think. If you are, an, are a parent, you work with children. She interviews girls from all over the US from different socioeconomic backgrounds, races, girls with different interests, etc. It's just really fascinating and they really open up to her in the book. So thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to learn from you today and just to get into all of it.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I'm very excited for this interview. I would love to start I just learn a little bit more about you and you know where you're from, how you got into journalism and I'm really intrigued to know why you write about the things you write about, why you are passionate about advocating for the things you advocate for.
1: That's such a kind and thoughtful question. And not everybody else
0: yeah.
1: asks that. And it's, it's, um it's very relevant to the topic because, you know, I am a woman who was once a girl and mm. and, and who has, A girl child now a woman so that's really why like that's the that's the gist of it that's really why because I um I look back on the things that I went through and and things that I I don't want to say suffered you know I'm very aware of privilege
0: I'm a white
1: person in America I know that my um My status in the world is so much better than so many people, not only in all over the world, but in this country. And yet, and yet it's very important to acknowledge, understand, and address the fact that even with privilege, even with white privilege, girls, young women are disadvantaged in so many ways in our society. And I don't think that the things that they go through should be diminished just because they, you know, have privilege because privilege yeah. is a weird thing. It can it can make things better in so many ways, like having a place to live, having enough to eat, huge things. But on the other hand, you know, there are those very same girls. And for American girls, I did talk to girls, as you mentioned. Thank you for pointing that out. Of all walks of life, including a yeah. girl who lived on on a Native American reservation,
0: you, you know? really did. I love that you did that. Thank you. I tried it, to. It really shows the similarities. Like exactly. you're saying that if you have the common aspect of being a girl, you have yeah. common things that you're going through or struggling with, or you're up against.
1: Exactly. Because what I saw as I started to do this book, it was supposed to be, and it is about largely about social media and the effect on, on girls and young women, you know, at college age. But what I started to see was that, you know, you want to think things get better. You want to think we've progressed, like, you know, because of the uh, gradual enlightening of society or whatever, and the positive effects of feminism and different social justice movements that we're going to our lives are going to be better and better. But what I looked at and what I saw and what I heard from these hundreds of girls I talked to was that things were the same in so many ways, if not worse, uh, because of social media a lot and Mm. the pressure that it put on them. But also they're still going through catcalling, all of these girls. They're still going through um, harassment in school and out of school. They're still going through you know, having their thoughts their ideas their opinions uh questioned or diminished purely right. on the basis of their gender they're still going through being you know if they're they're old enough as teenagers to have jobs they're still going through harassment in the workplace they're still going through income inequality even at yeah. a very young age and and not getting hired for things that that young men or boys get hired for so i started to look at this oh and of course you know more central to the point that you're that you know the the subject matter that you're um so thankfully focused on beauty there's oh my goodness the the pressure pressure to be perfect now with all of the images that constantly get generated the the pressure to perform the pressure to look a certain way to be perfect to be flawless to have you know these really impossible beauty standards that have been imposed upon them. So these were things, when you say, why did you come to the subject matter? Because I remember going through all of these things exactly the same, but not even as bad. You know, there, there was yeah. there was pressure about how you looked and all that kind of thing, of course. And I remember struggling with that as a, as a girl and as a teen, but it's so much worse now. It's so much more um, exacting. And constantly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: And I wanted to, um, and I remember how it used to make me feel. And so I really, it really resonated with me with talking to them about how they feel. I don't think I ever lost the feelings of being a teen. And I think that's one mm-hmm. reason why I've been, um, you know, uh, able to talk to them because I think. Being a teenager, sometimes especially being a girl, is so difficult uh, yeah, in a lot of ways that a lot of adults have like a kind of amnesia about it. They, yeah. it, they remember, and yet they don't. And totally. They, they kind of like push it down or brush it aside or say like, oh, it wasn't that bad. It's a survival instinct, which I completely understand. But um, it's it's something that never really left me. And and yeah. I, that is why I've been so drawn to teens. That and also it was just the accident of editors and what they assign you. I mean, I didn't really ask to be on this beat of teenagers. I was sort of put on it uh, early on at New York Magazine in the 1990s. I was asked to write a story about teenagers and it wasn't my, my choice, but it turned out to be a very lucky accident because it turned out I was i was interested in them and and i had a facility for like you say getting them open up to open up to me and i don't really know exactly why that is except what i just said was that i've never really lost the feeling of what it's like to be them but um
0: and you yeah, have one or you had one you know
1: I, I had one too in 2012 but that was later but i um i have had love journalists say to me you know like how do you get them to talk to you? You know, I've done a story on teens and it was so difficult. They wouldn't say anything. I don't really know how or why it's mm. just like one of those things that.
0: It's like you know, your superpower. It's one of your superpowers. It's just like innate, <laughs> you know, or meant to be. It's
1: my, it's my superpower. Yeah. <laughs> kids. So that's really how it happened. And, um, I want I wanted, and once you do something as a journalist, like they give you another story like that, and oh, she's the teen person, and then they give you another yeah. story. Like that. So it just became my beat, sort of accidentally and officially. But I, but I was so glad that it did because, and especially if you look at my work, go even going back to when I was writing about boys in the '90s, I was writing more about boys. It's really still about girls too, and and the boys kind of. I was shocked to find misogynistic attitudes among some teenagers in the nineties and how it affected the girls. So I, I didn't really like plan it and we didn't even like say the word misogyny back then, but I think yep. my Lord, it's always been about misogyny really.
0: Yeah. Um, it's interesting how you said that, you know, the girls today are still getting cat called and all that stuff, but it's worse Do you think it's because it's now happening on the streets and on social media? So there's like multiple platforms for it to happen?
1: It's a it's a bunch of reasons. I think that is one that is absolutely it. Um, You know, for example, the kind of cyberbullying and aggression that goes on online you know, it feeds into offline. It spills into what's acceptable.
0: Mm, that's what's
1: true. Like how people deal with each other. You know, we have to. Um, you know, I I didn't when I wrote American Girls. I didn't know as much about the technology of social media as I do now. Okay. I was I was writing it very early on, and just sort of. Um. Writing about how it was affecting their lives, about the reactions they were feeling. I didn't know as much about there is some, there is some in the book about this, about how these things are engineered and designed this way. Yeah. But I know a lot more about it now, and a lot more has come out about it now. And tech bosses have act who have actually left companies, like a former, a former big executive at Facebook have come out and admitted that things are designed in a certain way. And then, of course, Francis Haugen, the Facebook uh-huh. whistleblower came out in 2021 and and revealed and exposed that Facebook did these uh, studies, these internal studies about Facebook and Instagram in 2017 about teenage girls and the effects of their platforms on them, which they see yeah. and, then, and then Francis Haugen Came out and revealed them in 2021. And it's interesting to me, like I don't know if they did it because of my book, but it it's interesting to me that they did these studies a year after my book came out, but they did. Yeah and internally, which they suppressed. And it's all of the exact same things that these girls in my book are talking about, about how they are um, how they are feeling based on these platforms. And what's what's really disheartening is that these companies knew that this yeah. was happening. They knew that the design of their platforms was um, was contributing to this harm that was coming to girls and they did nothing about it. And why boys too, it's harm to boys too. Yeah. What it is is that first of all, the algorithms reward aggression. We know that like we can just anecdotally say that we've all seen when a fight's sparks up on on a on a thread you see everybody flock to that
0: because yeah. they all really
1: promote it because it it creates more engagement right and the platforms are all about engagement they want to keep you on they want to keep you um addicted it, yes it's addictive well also and then we get into likes so the likes are also um really a form of social conditioning they're a form yep. of social engineering because what they do is they you know mm. everybody knows this now right everybody knows this now because it's it's come out and it's it's a fact they spark a, a dopamine rush in your brain yep uh, when you get a like and that's addictive it's like this the serotonin you know uh, yeah up and you get excited and you feel good for a second but then it goes down again and you need more and then it goes down again mm-hmm. so it's it's this addiction to um posting and you don't always get likes for something positive. Like I, I don't, I think it's in the book or some, you know, I wrote the book uh, in 2000, it came out in 2016. So, and I've given so many talks since then, like almost a hundred talks at schools and organizations. And I've also talked to so many hundreds more girls and parents since then. I can't remember what's exactly in the book, all of that. But I do remember a girl saying to me, if I post a picture of um, myself winning the math award, I'll get three likes. But if I post a picture of myself in a bikini Mm -hmm. by the pool with my friends in bikinis, I'll get 300 likes.
0: Yep. And by girls too. Yes. All the girls support that.
1: So that was another thing that became a big part of the book. And my research was the ways in which social media promotes not just exacting beauty standards, like you have to have perfect eyebrows and skin and hair and this and that, but also it promotes sexualization because sexualized pictures get more likes. So uh, yeah. So this was what I, this was something that I, uh, I did incorporate into the book, but I've learned so much more about now because we have so much more information and so much more about how these companies are, they know full well what these products and we have to think of them as products these are not natural spaces these are totally en, these are engineered products which i do talk about in the book are largely engineered and this is just a fact this isn't some kind of you know feminazi talking they, it's a fact that they yep. are largely Absolutely. Engineered by young white men well, now they've gotten older, but they were in the beginning largely and and the preponderance of them were actually frat boys. And yeah. Snapchat guys, um, you know, the Instagram guys, the it's it's you, you look at it and you say, Wow, our daughters are living on products engineered by frat boys.
0: Totally, like little that, puppets.
1: Yeah, and why is that a problem? Because frat work <clears throat> is um you know and this is not original with me going back decades has been written about as being like the seat of sexist culture in our in our country so um i and also being heavily involved in rape culture too like yeah promotion of sexual assault through the normalization of certain ideas and attitudes and behaviors so Yeah, this is all really, really disturbing stuff. And when it first came out, I I got a a lot of attention and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of controversy and a lot of really great reviews. And I was on Terry Gross Fresh Air and all this kind of stuff. And two, actually three reviews in the New York Times, all of which were negative. Really? Kind of, kind of like snarky. Well, one was a couple words, extremely negative. And one was like just a little snarky because there was also a lot of pushback because at that time the tide hadn't turned yet in terms of social media. I was really one of the forebears of that trend and that tide. And, and it was still, Oh, but it's okay. And it's great. And it's making life better. And they wouldn't do that. You know? And like, it was this kind of, you know, the kids are all right. A complete misrepresentation of my work. I would never blame any of this. On children or teens themselves,
0: they are of course
1: they are are victims of these companies.
0: In my absolutely, I did not take that away from your book at all. That you are blaming the kids. I it's interesting the pushback. I think when you're doing this sort of work and you're really trying to get into the nitty gritty, I get pushback too, and I'm not even you know really.
1: What do people?
0: I think they don't want to. They don't want to see that, like the beauty ideals controlling us, or, um, you know, the media messaging is controlling us. They just want to continue to work on making their bodies smaller and doing, you know, they don't want to see it. I can really see it, even in my friends. I can tell sometimes they're like, "Oh, okay, I, I I'm making." I know
1: exactly. Oh, God, I mean. I, I feel your pain and I know exactly what you mean because there was, you know, feminism has gone in these waves, right? And every wave has re- received this kind of pushback. Um, yeah. In her book, Backlash, she called it Backlash. And she was describing the really intense backlash that happened in the 80s when feminism started to make serious gains. But there's actually been backlash. It's it's a really perfect word for it. There's been backlash to every. Every time, well, to every social movement, every social justice movement, but feminism in particular, every single time feminism makes some gains, there's backlash. And it comes in all of these like funny, sneaky, weird forms. It's not always like direct, for example. Like a micro. Yeah, well, I I think I read about this in the the American Girls book because I do remember um, writing about how when women got the right to vote, guess what happened right after that? What? The Miss America pageant was instituted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Women the right to vote. And, like, you wouldn't necessarily see a connection, but there is. Because mm-hmm. it was like, it's not like a bunch of – it's it's not as – you know it's not like a conspiracy where a bunch of men are sitting around a table and saying gee you know how can we put down this women's movement although there there might be that going on somewhere i don't know but there's definitely um we can see it in the in the cultural re- reaction into the things that get suddenly put on tv now for example i don't know if you remember but there was there was just extreme backlash in the in the early two thousands and the mid two thousands. And there were all of these television shows, like my daughter and I watch them sometimes out and we're like, Oh, like you cannot believe Well, there was Californication yeah, And, entourage, and there were all of these, yeah. like there, was, there was like Howard Stern doing butt bongo on the radio. I mean, there was all of this sort of like, mm-hmm. Hey, if you're a cool girl, if you're a cool girl, you won't mind that the guys are sort yeah. of, like, you know, Uh, making jokes because we're past that now right like feminism works yeah
0: and we can like own our sexuality and like don't be a prude kind of thing yeah totally
1: and and so what happens in backlash is that backlash tends to like co-opt um the the feminist uh ideals and then like twist them around like you just said in other Mm. words like oh okay so you all are so independent now, right? You're just all, all so independent. And, and, but you know what? I don't think your butt is small enough or big mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. Curvy enough. enough. It, it, backlash attacked, literally attacked women's bodies and also their sexuality and their sex, their, the way that they sexually express themselves. Like in, in American girls and, also in a book that I wrote later called Nothing Personal, which is a memoir that came out in 2021, I talk about how um, there was this kind of, I, I believe that the callousness and uh, sort of rough behavior that happens now in courtship on the part of straight men is also a direct reaction to feminism and the gains of women in, in politically.
0: Because like to gain control,
1: so, yeah, and to sort of punish to punish. Mm. You're taking over our 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 jobs. You're taking over our seats at universities. You're, you know, patriar- patriarchy. If if I may use the term, doesn't look yeah. like that. And so, what yeah. do they do? They literally punish us, women, girls, through saying we're still don't look good enough, and. Mm. Um, oh, you think I care about you? I didn't have sex with you because I care about you. You know, these kind of things have been so cruel and so punishing that have happened, I think, in direct reaction. Yeah.
0: It's like microaggressions and like and then obviously bigger aggressions, but there's even like micro ones all the time that we don't even notice.
1: Oh, comments online. Uh, mm-hmm. Um girls are girls and young women and women are subjected to constant uh evaluations of their oh
0: yeah we're doing a bunch of studies right now on like the gender gap and i i'm gonna the statistics not totally correct but i think when women gain five pounds, our salary goes down 16%. It's something I'm close. I'm not too far off, but it's fat, like the stuff we're finding we're like, Oh my God, what? Yeah. And you just, you don't notice, you don't realize. And, and sort of the, like the secret job of women is to like, have their appearance perfect all the time, because it really does make a difference, even if they want to admit it or not. And that's where I'll get backlash. I'm like, you might not want to admit it, but it's it's happening. And that's why I'm trying to now pull like more stats and get more educated on actually the the research behind it. That's why I loved your book. Um, because it's hard for somebody that's really, really brainwashed and they're sort of living in there. They don't really realize that it's affecting them negatively. It's hard to kind of get through to them at all without sort of I think more like scientific research, you know, or
1: beauty, beauty is a burden. It's a it's a, the, the demands of beauty as we know it to not, today are a burden. It costs money. It costs time. Yep. It costs emotional labor, uh, thinking, assessing oneself, you know, trying objectifying. to objectifying. Objectifying. Oneself. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's very costly, like literally. Mm -hmm. And another thing, you know, we talked about patriarchy and all that also, you know, we have to talk about capitalism because they're Mm -hmm. absolutely related because we also have a beauty industry, a multi-billion dollar industry, which benefits from us. I mean, we know this, it's not like a, it's, it's not like, this is not some conspiracy theory. There's so much study and data on it. They, they benefit from us women, girls feeling lesser than feeling like we don't look good enough, feeling like we are, we don't measure up. And you know what? It's actually like you said, it then relates to, you know, really actually if we get hired, if we are, how much money
0: we make,
1: you know, what makes me so sad is when I see um, girls and young women on on social media looking so flawless. So I talk about this a lot in the book. So flawless, so perfect. You know, you, they've done their makeup. I've talked to so many. This was 2016. It's even worse now. But in, even in 2016, I was talking to like teenagers, yeah. to age 16, 17. And they said, I cannot believe what my little sister is doing now, 13, 12 years old. I used to go to school with a scrunchie in my hair, like, who cares? You know, I'm in middle school, who cares? Now they're spending an hour before school getting up early, doing their hair, contouring, 13, 12 years old. Yeah. And then you go on social media and you see women all over TikTok, all over Instagram, everybody looks perfect. And what really gets me crazy is sometimes you see a woman will be doing a talk on TikTok or something about something very interesting. Um, I don't want to name any names or say who they are, but I follow a lot of accounts where women talk about really interesting stuff that I'm really interested to hear. And they'll be doing their makeup while they're giving their talk, which has nothing to do with makeup. Have you ever seen that?
0: That's, a, that's the thing right now. Yes, I have. Yep.
1: Like, they'll be showing like that they, they are like doing this perfect makeup while they're talking about something completely unrelated to the makeup. Why? Interesting. I, okay, well, I've thought about this. Why? Because it's so unsettling and so sad. But really, what it's saying is I am an I'm a woman, I have opinions, but don't be put off by that because I'm also mm-hmm. a, a pretty lady who can put on makeup well. And so you see how good I put on my makeup, it's like distracting from the fact that I actually have something to say. Because what mm-hmm. you really, what you're really gonna value about me is the um, skill with which I make this flawless face, you know. Because even if you don't like what I'm saying, look, don't I look pretty? Like, well, as it's as a, a, it have anything to do with each other.
0: It's almost like I'm a feminist, but don't worry, I'm I'm still like a pretty feminist, you right. know. So I'm a cool one. It's okay. Like it's safe. I totally get what you're saying. What do you think? Um, This is but a I know, very.
1: Okay. Okay. I just want to I, on the subject of feel your pain. I don't mean to interrupt you.
0: No, no, no. I love this conversation.
1: I just want to reiterate that I know exactly what you mean, because there are women who will come out and say, and they used to do this about social media, too. They don't anymore because it's become so clear that social media is very toxic to kids, especially girls. I mean, now you have the CDC saying it. I you know the <laughs> general saying it. Like when I, my book first came out in the New York Times was snarky. Well, yep. I'd really like to i really like to have a conversation with some of those reviewers that gave me shit about it and say, like, well, what like how do you like me now? Like what do you Yeah. How about you know, you look at the Surgeon General's recent report about how toxic this is for young people. Totally leading to all kinds of body dysmorphia, suicide. And the thing is, but there are still people who will say even still about the beauty thing will say, but it's empowering.
0: That's what I wanted to ask you.
1: Makes her feel good. And you know, that is such a, well, you go ahead and say what you're going to say.
0: Well, I was, uh, I was just, I was just curious your thoughts, like beauty uses empowerment. Um, like I'm just curious, like your thoughts on it and if someone wants to, you know, wear a dress or wear makeup, like where's the fine line and what's the, I guess what's the explanation of why using beauty as empowerment isn't actually empowerment.
1: Again, there's been all these waves of feminism, right? And where, where we are now is we're in like, what's a lot of people identify as the fourth wave it's okay. And it's a bit a reaction to what was the third wave. And the third wave was very 90s. It was very like, I can be a cool girl and like wear a dress and wear makeup. And I don't mean to dismiss this because third wave feminism had a lot of really great important stuff in it too. Like like very heavily leaning into like intersectionality, which is inclusivity, which is so important. But there was this whole kind of beauty um, sex object thing going on in there where they said, if I want to objectify myself and it's my choice to objectify myself, isn't that feminism? I think that it's really, uh, it was really kind of a reaction to backlash. I don't see it as like really in a way, um, mm. well thought out because it was a reaction to the backlash that happened in my opinion, in the eighties where
0: sense.
1: Patriarchy, men were saying like, Oh, okay, sure. Take that job, but you're still not as pretty as you're still a five or whatever. And so then, third wave said, "Oh, but we can be pretty and be feminists." You know, mm-hmm. this is all very problematic because I think, for one thing, I think it's still a reaction to the male gaze, and i I also think that there's a difference between wanting to express yourself and and be whoever you want to be, and living up to certain standards that are set okay. not, not by you. And that's what we're seeing now, which I think is so disheartening and unsettling is that you have, it's not that there are women that these, these standards are so uniform. They're very Kardashian-esque with the contouring and this very like specific kind of things that kind of like, like blow up doll kind of
0: yeah uh, like perfectionism yeah. that you can't even create in real life.
1: It's a form of control, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't, I you, you said the word brainwashing. And I think that there is a kind of brainwashing going on and it's by it's by patriarchy, it's by the beauty industry, and yep. it's by anyone who thinks that you know it just regardless of gender who thinks that women should look a certain way and if they don't there's something wrong with them like they're lazy or they're they're um they're you know
0: they're i don't know they're not what they think they should be sexy and pretty
1: they're lazy they're They're not sexy they're this and it has nothing Nothing about what you look like has anything to do with who you are.
0: It really doesn't. Yeah, I love and, that. <laughs> you
1: really, it, you're in a shell that has, yeah. and you find that more and more as you get older. And another thing I would say to people who, because I've been on both sides of this, you know, I was never like Elizabeth Taylor or something, but I, I was attractive. You know, I was like mm-hmm. a young woman that a lot of men were interested in. Well, I'm old now and believe me, it's not the same. (laughs) And I'm so much happier now. I'm so much happier. I don't have to think about it. I don't need to worry about it. I don't like, it's just not part of my, it's so freeing and so liberating and just not part of my consciousness anymore. Like I don't get up and think like, gee, I better, you know, like I, before we had this thing, um you said I, I I emailed you and I said I said are you gonna have a visual component the only reason being that I know that people out there will judge me and they yeah. do judge. they do judge and they'll look at you and they'll say and then I thought like fuck it you know I'm not doing my hair because yeah I, I want to talk to Bridget and I want to have an interesting conversation and I don't want to be late for our zoom like this oh, is what's yeah
0: important. that's what's about. important yep
1: what's important is not how my hair looks. So I just threw it in a ponytail and like, whatever. I'm just yeah. saying that I wish that all women and all girls could feel what it feels like now to be 58, almost 59 and not give a F. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's literal freedom. It's just makes you, I don't spend the time. I don't spend the money. Yep. I don't, I don't care. And I, I know that there are women my age who are not um a lot are are have reached that that point of you know freedom but there are a lot who are struggling with it really
0: hard and feeling really oh, bad. they're and, and having a really hard time
1: they're having a really hard time and I so feel for them because I I know that it has everything to do with the fact that they put so much of their self-worth into how they looked for so long yeah. and they let other people
0: outside of them, uh, tell them, them and tell them, tell them they're enough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and also, you know, sometimes they're almost resentful of a woman who doesn't care yes. and they, they can look down on you and say like, but I, I, I wish that they could, you know, feel free. Cause it's the best. Yeah. Job. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, know I agree to, to have a daughter who doesn't even own any makeup.
0: She doesn't, oh. own a
1: she doesn't own a lipstick. She doesn't own a mascara. And it's not because I'm such a great mom or whatever. I'm not trying to like, you know, be a, in mom competition. That's really toxic too. But I have <laughs> raised her in a house where I talk about this stuff and that's what it's all about. It's all about education. It's all about awareness and education and teaching your daughters that their value is within their value is if they won, if they, you know, won the math test, not how they look in a bikini. I was recently visiting a, a a relative out in uh, another state. I won't say, (laughs) I don't want her to see this, um, you know, uh, She's a wonderful person, like my best friend for my whole life. And um, she puts a lot of pressure on her daughter about her physical appearance. And I saw it and I i don't think she even knows she's doing it. Yeah. And I wanted to say something so many times, like little things about what you eat and, and how much you weigh. And um, are you going to wear that? And don't you think you should put on some lipstick or whatever and this girl is only 17 years old and i mean she looks great to me all girls are beautiful you know every single one just youth is beautiful it's just beautiful yeah it's like you know they just wake up and they look
0: like a a flower like a flower that just bloomed and sprang they're so
1: lovely they don't Mm -hmm. don't know no they and you know what they weigh, like, I mean, yep, that is not something they need to be talking about in their household, in this society. It's just going to make them hate themselves and it's going to affect every single aspect of their life from how they do in their careers to how they do in the bedroom with men yep. or, or women or whoever they choose to be with. It's like, just don't say that shit to your daughters. Just uh. don't stop
0: I could not agree with you more it makes me like and then I just too. like cringe when... it's not
1: just moms.
0: It's mm-hmm. too. yep um it's funny because you're like organically just like answering all the questions that I had planned for you which is perfect <laughs> it's great because <laughs> one of my questions was also like how do we help our daughters in particular like, know that they're more than their beauty. They're more than their bodies and like really get them to tend to what's inside. I just want to quote you for one second. I pulled this from a Guardian piece that you wrote. It says, social media sites trap girls in spirals, questioning their attractiveness and self-worth. They're encouraged to compare themselves to others and seek approval for the way they look while reinforcing beauty standards of favor, thinness and whiteness. They feel pressure to promote themselves as objects. And that's sort of the, you know, I think the brainwashing that they're getting, whether it's from the media or you talk about social media here, but like you were just mentioning the families too. So what are some other things we can do at home? Just
1: Women, women need to educate themselves, women and men, moms and dads, need to educate themselves if you have a daughter especially sons too because boys are affected by all of this uh you know there's there's
0: really a rise in the boys now really being worried about their bodies and their six packs and yep it's true but
1: can i tell i want to i want to go back to education in a second but can i tell you an interesting thing i one of these schools that i spoke to we're talking about body image and all this stuff and the girls were all nodding their heads. It was a big room. It was in Long Island, a big room of like, I don't know, hundreds of kids. And the uh, the girls were really, you know, getting it. And then one of the boys stood up and he said, um, we have pressure too. We have to have perfect arms and six packs and all this kind of thing. We, we feel that too. And one of the girls, it was this real teaching moment for, I think, the boys. Because one of the girls said, I hear you, I understand, but take those feelings that you feel about your six pack and apply it to every single part of your body, like your skin, your face, your hair, your eyebrows,
0: your... Your eyelashes, your ears, your
1: knees, (laughs) your
0: your ankles.
1: A lot of my and it, and it never stops because when you get older, it's your neck. Like a lot of my friends are always their talking hands. about hands. I'm like, can we talk about like something interesting, like a like a book or a TV show? Do we have to talk about our necks?
0: Like, who my friends are starting to talk about their hands. Oh, my hands look old. I'm like, oh god, you know, like mean, you can do you can do injections for your hands. I'm like, oh my god, god, honestly, what's happening?
1: Really, like honestly, life is just too short. You mm. know, like I have a bookshelf over here with with. Thousands of books, and I've only read like half of them, and I don't have a lot of time left. I want to read these books. I don't want to go get yeah. injections in my hands, you know. But anyway, so, so this um this boy, the look on his face, I'll never forget because he just it really dawned on him, like, oh, that would suck to you know. So we need to educate boys and girls, and they can only be educated if you know yourself. So I would say read my book, read other books about, you know, girls and feminism and raising girls. Read, read just, even if you just Wikipedia it, read, read the history of the feminist movement, because you probably didn't, didn't get it in school. I didn't, your daughters are not getting it in school. Like they have like, Oh, girl power, you know, this, they throw up some pictures of like, I don't know, like Amelia Earhart or something on the, on the wall. And they think that like, that's feminism. No, it's, it's really, it's a really like historical thing. They don't get any kind of history about how women have contributed to the development of this country, including with science and, 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 you know, literature and art and all of the many vast ways that women have contributed. It's such a, and there are studies on this. This isn't me talking. There's, there's like a fraction of what we teach kids in school is about the contribution of women. So wow. you need to be teaching your daughters that at home because that's empowering. How yeah. their Facebook on TikTok is not empowering because mm-hmm. all it's going to do is attract negative comments because everybody's a hater. There will yeah. be some positive comments. Oh, you look flawless. But even that is like, creates all this anxiety like, am I flawless or am I not? And there'll be some person who will invariably have that weird, snarky, you know, negative thing to say. And we all know also from studies that that snarky negative thing is the one they focus on. Like me, I'm focusing on like the snarky New York Times review, but like I got like a million other good reviews, but imagine yep. being 14 years old and like having your whole life be about like reading the comments and did they like me and do they think I'm pretty and all this stuff. It's not good for them. They shouldn't even be on it in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. If, if, if you know what's going on, then you can tell them and advocate for feminist education and the history of women in your schools too. But in the meantime, educate yourself. You owe it yeah. to your women. They're women. They're, they're going to be women in this world that you owe it to them to teach them.
0: And and I yeah. don't mean
1: to say that it's an exact parallel. And I know that there are, are, are many ways in which race is, a really separate thing from gender but it in a way there is a commonality between people of color having to raise their children to understand what racism is so that they can navigate the world and
0: yeah it's a similar thing
1: so often it doesn't take place in households with girls and 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 young women with either mothers or fathers and it has to and it must and it should because they need to know like they need to have tools with which to evaluate Things that are coming at them all the yep. time. Yes, so that they I don't, totally agree. But they don't absorb it and take it in and think it's their fault. Or they did something wrong. Or they're lesser than. Or they're bad or something. Or they're not pretty. Or they're stupid or whatever. They need to be able to say, wait a minute. They need shields. They need armor. They need those things like <laughs> those yeah. things Wonder Woman has. Where poo, 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 totally. So she can, she can like, de- you know, deflect the bullets. And the bullets yes. are coming at even if yep. they don't come home and tell you that somebody said something to me on social media today and it really made me feel bad or, or some boy made some weird comment to me on the bus and that made me feel bad. They might not tell you because they're ashamed and they might not tell you because they don't want to talk about it. They need to have the education, the intelligence, the, the, the analysis, the tools with which to yeah. say, it's "Not about me, that's about you. And they can't just be getting it from TikTok. I'm sorry. Like no. there is some there is some good feminism
0: online.
1: Yeah. But that's not that's not enough. They need to get it from their mom.
0: So when I started my project when she was around three and a half, it was really because I was still a little bit caught up in the modeling world and and I just said, No, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I need to I need to be one of the people that helps shift the narrative. I need to be a role model. I have a little girl that's going to be looking at me. Um, my agency had asked me to lose weight at that time. I was 40 something and, you know, a small size six. And I was like, no, I don't need to shrink myself to be worthy. And I'm not going to let her watch me do it, you know? So, um, I do think, I love like the education I've been getting. Like, I just love like learning from you right now or whoever I talk to and like reading all these books. And we do really need to educate ourselves. I totally agree. I wish they had it in our school systems more. Like, wouldn't that just be amazing?
1: I'm so Oh, well, yeah. I mean, thank you for doing what you do. And, thank, and I'm sure your daughter is going to thank you someday if she hasn't already. How old is she?
0: She's eight, she's so eight. she's little.
1: I feel so lucky that I started being aware of what social media was all about when my daughter was around 12 before I got her a phone, which I never did. I never bought her a phone. She bought her own phone when she went to college. I was, uh-huh. I won't buy anyone. I can't. How, can I, how yeah. can I do that to you? How can I, you know, she, well, she had a flip phone. So she can call you from the bus and like, I am on the bus I- every
0: so, Me and my it, girlfriend say it all the time we're like they're getting flip phones. Like sorry.
1: But it's it's so important what you're doing. It's so important that we all recognize that this is necessary and it is. And what's it going to do? It's going to mean that when your daughter invariably uh, unfortunately because it happens to all girls, I mean the statistics are just off the charts on all of these things, but God forbid, I will still say when she gets catcalled, when she's 12 yeah. or when when some boy says something negative to her, or she's at a party in, in, in high school or college and somebody suggests some sort of activity or behavior that she knows she doesn't really want to do, she's yeah. going to be, they know, thank you. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. That's not what I want. She's going to know that her agency and her choice is much more important than fitting in and being the whatever popular girl or cool girl or the girl that people think is hot or whatever, you know, know, after the book came out, I don't think it's in the book. I can see, I can't remember, but I love it, but it's all good.
0: Just doesn't have to be in the book. Like people need to read the book, but
1: the thing about how the little girl, no, I think it's after it's after at a, at a, at a talk that I gave, the mother was telling me that her daughter went to uh, a house where the little girls were playing, throwing up their food. Oh they, my God. And they were really little girls. They were like five years old, and they had seen the mom, who obviously sadly must have had bulimia. They mm-hmm. were pretending to throw up and like yeah. ha it's little kids, they do what they see. Yeah. And you have to be aware of your own behavior and your own attitudes because they will do the same thing. I remember as a young mom, when my daughter was maybe really like two, she she and her friend were watching a show about penguins and, and little, you know, cartoon penguins. And then when the show was over, they went around and they pretended to be penguins and they were walking like penguins and they were, you know, pretending they were at the North Pole. And that's it. And there are studies about that too. Monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. They they act like penguins. If they see a mom throwing up her food, then they'll learn to do that too. And that's a really, really dark example. Yeah. It's
0: true. I interviewed this girl. um, She was a recovering bulimic and she said that she watched, I think it was Different Strokes or something. And one of the girls on the show was having a bout of bulimia And she's like, that's all it was. And I tried it one day and, you know, things weren't, you know, uh, safer at home. And it was her way that she could control things. And she had a 20 year battle with it. Um,
1: I don't don't know the episode. I haven't seen it. And it's possible, you know, we shouldn't like censor or ban certain subjects. It's possible that they dealt with it in a way that was sensitive. I don't know, but it all goes back to the parenting and the home. True. You know, I mean, it's so sad that she saw that and thought that she would do that. But I don't think that that would happen unless she was also getting messages from our society all the time and from perhaps her parents or brothers and sisters saying, because, you know, siblings have a lot of effect on on children too. Yeah. Uh, some studies say like more than their parents saying, you know, you have to be skinny. You have to be thin. You can't eat so much. You know all this kind of stuff.
0: Don't embarrass don't, me. Yep. You
1: know I never had a thing, with, with that I, I don't know. I I don't. I never had that problem. Um, And I, I went to boarding school for my last year and a half of of high school. And I recently was talking to one of the girls I went to school with. She well, she's now. I mean, we're old. And she said, "Yeah, like half of our dorm was throwing up all the time." And I was yep. like, "Really? Oh, like, yeah." Like, I didn't even know that it just wasn't in my, I had other sororities stuff that are so and, I bad. Was crazy. and I was more working out my, um, issues about like being, growing up in a sexist society with like, in terms of like boys and sex and stuff, but I never had that like body image thing. And I just wasn't even aware of it. She said, oh yeah, like half the dorm was like throwing up all night. Didn't you ever go in the bathroom and hear girls throwing up? And I said, no. And I'm. that makes me so sad that that was going on. And I wasn't even aware of it. See, to be a girl, I wasn't, I wasn't even their mother. I was like a girl in a dorm with them. And I didn't know. So imagine how much of this is hidden from yeah, yeah. parents. Also, the porn thing. True. With I, a lot of American girls is about um, the effect of pornography and porn on kids which is so under discussed and so important especially the effect that it has on girls body image on their view of their sexuality on what's like quote unquote you know um healthy in bed there there's a lot of reason to think that most boys are watching pornography of some kind and there was even a study where uh, or even a research report where they couldn't even do a study on boys who don't and the difference with boys who do, because they couldn't get enough of a of a, a sample of boys who weren't watching it, boys and men who weren't watching it. It's just really pervasive, right? Wow. What is this pornography? What is it that they're looking at? People don't want to think about it. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about the effects that it's having, which are so profound because pornography became, you know, Available through the internet in the late '90s, and then it just like grew and grew and grew, and it because it grew and grew and grew, and it became more and more and more extreme and violent. And there's a lot of reason to think now that the violence in pornography leads to violence in the real world, and just like in and out of the bedroom. Yeah. and So, and yet, I, I mean, I've talked about this in schools and whatever, and. This is the thing that I get so much pushback on. My son doesn't watch pornography. He would never watch that. He's not looking at that. Well, then your son is like one of, you know, a fraction of boys in America, probably the world, but then they come back because they check and they look look at computers and they come back and they write me an email. Very often it's happened, I don't know, more times than I can count. I'm thinking of one in particular, a man in Florida, I gave a talk in Florida and he wrote me and he said, you know, because he really started arguing about it, about his son wasn't like that. And he just wouldn't watch that. And what's really sad too, is a lot of the pornography that young, young guys, boys watch is what's called teen or barely legal, which tends to be women who are, are look or are styled to look very young And a lot of it's very abusive and they are, I mean, I don't want to get, it's, it's, you know, this is why people don't, people don't want to talk about it because it is so unsettling Uh because a lot of the scenarios involve like tricking the girl or, or punishing her. Don't, I won't tell your mom if you do this. Oh, it's just really, it's And then it's copycat it again. Yes, exactly. Monkey see, monkey do. Penguins don't forget that. That's the the bulimia on facts of life. They see it or whatever it was. They see it full house. I don't know what you said. And then they do it. I mean, that's what happens. And he said to me, not only is he watching it, he's watching it several times a day, including when he first wakes up in the morning, because he saw Mm -hmm. it was links, the history on his phone or computer, whatever it was, was like at six or seven in the morning. So, in other words, to, to you know, masturbate upon waking, he was watching porn.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And the father was so upset about this. He actually, he was like a, like a kind of a wealthy guy. And he actually said like, what can we do? Let's start a a, a program, or a foundation, I'll fund it. To, you know, I mean, that's not my thing. I'm a journalist. I don't like do that. But I said, you should go do that you should do yeah. that. I mean, yeah. I can't do it because I'm doing other stuff. But if you have awareness about this, kind, of, when people finally realize yeah. what is happening to kids via social media, via pornography, um,
0: and they get
1: to feeling like they have to do something about it, I would say the first place to start is in your own house.
0: Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. By talking would, to them? About it. Yeah. If you had a preteen or a teenager right now, would you give them a flip phone? Would you let them be on social media? Like, and what would you like to see happen? Like, would you like to see more laws passed where social media is banned altogether, um, or more rules on it? Like, what what do you think should happen
1: right now? there is almost no regulation whatsoever. Yeah. One of the few industries, it's, it's, it's shocking in a way that it, that tech is an industry that has so much impact on mm. the lives of adults and teens and children, and yet there is almost no regulation whatsoever about anything. And this all has to do, as you may know from reading my book, and but not everybody understands, it's a very controversial aspect of internet law called Section 230. Just google it, Section 230. Is that aspect of internet law which uh came about in the 1990s that says basically social media companies, platforms, internet companies cannot be held responsible for anything third parties do on their platforms. In other words, if, you know, a bunch of people go on Facebook and created genocide in Myanmar. Well, that's not Mark Zuckerberg's problem. Hmm. If um, there was recently a Supreme Court case where some parents actually tried to sue and it went all the way to the Supreme Court because they believed that things that had been published on Facebook led to a mass shooting where their children were killed. The Supreme Court shot it down. Section 230, we just, it's like the laws have not caught up Yeah, with what is going on, and these companies make no mistake—they are in it for the profits, Mm -hmm. the enormous, multi-billion-dollar profits that they are Mm -hmm. reaping from having really kind of redesigned our society in ways that a lot of times very toxic and very unhealthy. And why should they change it? They don't have to. They can't be held responsible. They are from lawsuits. And so Mm -hmm. under enormous public pressure, sometimes they will make little amendments to this or that. They'll slightly change this or that. They'll make a big show of saying that they're doing this or that. But none of it is really um, systemic in terms of how their platforms are designed and what really happens on them. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, there's like macro to micro. The macro is that, Section two thirty needs to be amended, and not and and the free speech advocates always come. At, the t- uh, tech world has really leaned into the, the whole free speech thing, but it's free speech. We don't want right. to curtail people's freedom of speech. I'm sorry, hate speech um, that you know advocates, for example, say the killing of Jews or something. Yeah, uh, is that is that something that we as a society really want to say? Should be something that a that a social media platform, which is essentially a publishing site, although they don't like to say that they're a publishing site, but they really are. Is that really something that we want in our culture? We want in our society? Do we not think that there needs to be some sort of guardrails
0: on this kind mm-hmm. of thing? So I, it's like it's like the responsibility no one wants to take. It's it's they're making too much money. They're making too much more, money. It yeah. boggles my mind still, though. Like, if you're, you have so much power over the influence you're having on all of us, but kids, it's like, oh, where's the conscious? You know, where's your conscious?
1: I think about that all the time. I really mm-hmm, do. Me too. I think about, like, honestly, how can they live with
0: themselves? I how think about live, it with, with, with
1: themselves when they did an internal study and they knew their platforms are hurting girls body image. Just even, that, I mean like the whole like genocide thing that happened and like the, the, you know, like elections and, you know, and all this kind of thing that's been happening because of social media, that's like hugely bad and should be addressed. But even just to know that your platform is leading to girls feeling like shit,
0: it's yes, our eating disorders or eating suicide.
1: Disorder, themselves. Yeah, and you do nothing. You history. do nothing. That tells you all right there. But I, I think the macro is that, of course, they finally, after years, the government is finally moving towards, uh, trying to do something. They haven't really gotten there yet, and it's going to take more years for them to do anything. Legislation moves very, very slowly. And social media happens so fast and the laws have not caught up. And I don't think anybody's freedom of speech should be curtailed, but I do not think that this should be allowed to continue because I do think it's destroying the fabric of our society in so many ways. That's the I'm getting to the micro. In the meantime, while the government is trying to, I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm just trying
0: to. No, that's okay.
1: Meanwhile, while we're trying as a society as a society to rein this in, I think that we need to, as parents, as at schools, need to um, focus on education. And the education that we just talked about, education about social media, education about cyberbullying, this is all like been happening and still happening, but it needs to be even more and more and more about toxic masculinity and how that, what that is and how that affects boys, but also to the question that you ask. And I've been asked this a lot of whether or not they should have a phone and when they should have a phone and should they be on social media? That's the thing that everybody wants to ask you. And when my book first came out, I was, um, I wouldn't say pressure, but I was, I was encouraged by my editor at the book company where I was not to say that they should not have phones because it seemed too unrealistic at that point And it seemed to, she was afraid, you know, she was, tr- she was looking out for me. I think she was afraid that it could like tank the book because it seemed too extreme, even though that is what I think there's nothing else. I could think after looking at everything that I've looked at and talking yeah, yeah. All the, not just children and teens, but experts and educators and, and teachers and, and all the people that I quote in the book. Yeah. Um, I just didn't, couldn't see that a parent could responsibly give their kid a phone. And now you know 7 years later when things have only gotten worse, I and you know I'm I'm not as like maybe afraid. The book was a bestseller even despite, you know, the pushback. I'm not as afraid to say what I really think and I do say now, do not give them a phone. Not now as it is now. Like if things change, if if um, these platforms evolve, if they're forced to evolve, if they're forced to change through government legislation, because that's the only way I think it will happen. Yep. Because they, yeah. They've had self regulation all these years and they've done nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, they, we cannot depend upon the the goodness of, of Mark Zuckerberg. No, that's not going to happen. So, in the meantime, parents have to step in and take charge and say, no, this is just not good for you.
0: And, and obviously, no to social media.
1: Absolutely no. No, yep. no, 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 no. It's just not good for them. And if you don't believe me or you think I'm being too extreme, Google CDC, social media, 2023, 2022. Uh, Surgeon General, social media and children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: 2022,
1: 2023. Look up suicide and and,
0: yeah.
1: and reasons for it. Look up body dysmorphia. Look up, you know, yeah. all of we've been talking about yeah and so I would say no absolutely not I I love my daughter too much to Mm -hmm. put her in harm's way and it's not just that she's gonna get all of these mean, she's 23 now like I said but it's just even back then thinking like it's not just that she's gonna get all these messages that are bad for her it's also that she's gonna encounter people that I don't know They are, you know, able to contact her. Yep. I don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And I don't
0: want
1: in every single platform, every single platform. People say, well, which is safer? None of them. None Mm
0: -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. When When you talked in your book about the AOL chats, I really, I remember that. And I even like, I remember chatting with my, this guy was sort of dating and I was home in Michigan. He was in Miami and he was trying to get me. And I remember feeling like, you know, and everybody was doing it and we're all like in these, you know, and it was, Oh, that really like brought back some memories.
1: Right. Because it started early on. And that was, that was before even pictures, but even if they never actually ask you to go meet them at the park or whatever, which you you don't even know like I have the horror stories that I have heard and I've heard so many because people reach out to me all the time with these horror stories especially back when the book first came out but even now today
0: yeah happened to my
1: daughter that happened to my daughter this happened to my son terrible terrible things because they're young you know they wanna feel like they can have an adult conversation with someone sometimes the people catfish them and pretend to be a teen you yeah. know just don't know who you're talking to. And it is not safe. And everybody wants to say, you know, people who don't have kids, especially want to call this stranger danger in a mocking way or say that you're a Karen because you, you're you afraid of the world or something or you don't, you know, look, I don't care what you call me. I just know that it's not safe for kids to be on there and to be accessible by adults that I don't know. Yeah. I mean- it's just not safe. And Mm -hmm. if you knew, read my book, if you knew the kind of things that do happen and have happened to kids. And again, it's not just that they might go meet somebody. Oh, my daughter's too smart. She would never do that. Okay. But would she have a conversation with someone that got really strange, made her feel really bad and scared? Yes. And would she tell you about it? Not necessarily. Yeah. There's a girl in the book who talks about like having, I think she's only 14. And she talks about having a, a kind of chat relationship with a 35 year old man, yeah, in Paris. He mm-hmm. says, I mean, that's not what I want for my daughter, and I don't think it's what you want for yours. That's yeah. not like it's a whole different world, you know. Once upon a time, like they're in your house, they you know, who they're talking to because there's only one venue by which they could be talking to them, which is the telephone. And you could be in a room in the house and pick it up and listen, which my (laughs) mother used to do all the time.
0: Like we would my mom too. I'd be like, mom, get off the
1: phone. It was like when they do the like, you know, and you hear the click. But we don't do that. We can't do that with social media. It just is not Mm -hmm. possible. And are you okay? Are you okay with the fact that you're not gonna know who your kid is talking to out there? No. If you are then I really want you to think about that as a parent. Mm-hmm. Yep,
0: because um, you shouldn't. Yeah, it really comes down to safety, and then there's no rules. I was thinking that the whole time, and like, there's no, like, there's no, you, you don't, it's just not going to feel safe. There's no well, way well, for me to you know feel. Safe.
1: It's funny because I do find there is a political divide thing going on here too, because I am real you know i don't know what you want to call it left-wing progressive like all that kind of stuff i'm a big feminist and all that but somehow, sometimes i find that people in my side of things are so naive about this stuff because they more tend to think that people are good like people are yeah. gonna be, and people are not gonna do that and people are gonna you know I'm sorry, but when it comes to kids, you have to flip that and think of the worst common denominator. What they call in tech bad actors. Mm. Bad actors are people who come onto these sites and do bad things, and yeah. there are a lot of them. And you need to flip it and think about what you would be doing if you were one of these bad actors. If yeah. I mean, it's really uncomfortable to think about, but think about it. If you were a pedophile, wouldn't you be on social media? Yep. If you were a rapist or a serial killer or Ted Bundy, wouldn't you be on Tinder? They just mm-hmm. uh, the guy who just killed all they just arrested the guy uh, who killed all those women in Long Island. He was on Tinder. It came yep. out that he was on Tinder. Why wouldn't you be? Of yep. course you would, because it is a tool with which you can find victims.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: 14 year olds and 12 year olds. And now some people are letting their kids go on social media at eight year olds. I volunteer at an elementary school, uh, um, you know, when it's in session, helping with homework. And a lot of them have cell phones at like eight. Yeah. You know, I don't say anything to the parents or tell them who I am or anything because I don't, you know, it's like a volunteering situation. I don't want to get into it there, but I just like, sort of like, I want to give them all my book. I want to tell them all the like. Like my God, these are little kids,
0: yeah. and they
1: are just like on there. They're seeing porn. They're doing. They're talking to people, and they're really little. And mm-hmm. it's not, appropriate and it's dangerous. And I'm not saying that because I'm effing like, Karen. I'm saying that because I'm, I want to protect children.
0: Yep, yep. I love it. oh thank you so much. This was, this was amazing. I learned so much. Um <laughs> sorry, I, mean, I get
1: really passionate about this because it
0: makes yeah. me Yeah. No, I I'm I'm with you. Um my final question for you was going to be um what's one thing you know we can all do today to help shift this? And I think you already answered it with educate ourselves and start in our homes, right?
1: I think that's number 1. I think also though For people who are inclined to be more involved politically, talk to your Mm -hmm. representatives about this. Tell them. Do engage in that way in the the political system. Talk to your reps. Talk to your senators. Talk to people about how concerned you are about these tech companies and the exploitation of children and, and teenagers, and particularly the ways that all of this is affecting girls I think that they do respond. I think that our representatives in politics do respond to pressure. And um, also post about it. Like if you want, you know, these platforms to change, start posting about it on the platforms. Start posting articles about put a Google Google alert on your phone for you know social media and whatever.
0: Mm, And, and
1: And when you get those articles post them on the social media site so that other people become aware that the very site that they're using is um, affecting our society in ways that we, we don't, we, we don't, might not even be aware of But we need, And we need to change. Yeah. Yep. I do. I do, um, I do think it all comes down to the reason I get so passionate about it. And the reason I'm so upset about it is because it is exploitation people are being exploited people are being victimized mm. especially women and girls by these companies yeah. and we already live in a society that you know makes it harder for us to live in the world as women and girls and and this is this is um it's wrong yeah you know it is wrong mhm and people don't always realize the extent to which it is affecting us. It's kind of like a, fro- you know, the the metaphor of the frog in the pot, you know, it yeah. all the time. So we kind of don't even realize how much it's affecting us.
0: No, I we don't. That's why this conversation is so important. And well, your book is so you. important.
1: Thank you. You are so kind to have me on and talk to me about it. Oh, my and God.
0: I, thank I, you uh, for being here. I was so excited. You were one of the, my guests I was the most excited for. My husband's like, you're so, so funny. Much, I'm like, I'm just so excited to learn I, everything, you know? I love talking to you. I
1: get so much shit from so many people all the time because I I am a kind of um, unusual voice. I don't I don't care what people think of me. I just need to say what I need to say. You yep. know, that person like I said, what I said, that's me. But... And so I get a lot of shit from people. And, but then when I meet someone like you or like, you know, many like-minded people out there appreciate what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to say, it really, you know, the expression gives me life. It really does.
0: You know, doing the right thing isn't always easy. And it's like, we do have to, you know, have a little network and talk to each other when we need it because yeah, it's important. I've had people
1: come back to me and, and thank me, you know, and saying yeah. like, I really thank God I read your book when I did because my daughter has avoided all of this stuff that her friends went through. I had a really famous person, a woman that I, I won't say who it is, but like years ago, I interviewed this very famous woman and she had young daughters and she was, up, they were, she's like, should I get them a phone? And I said, I was in the middle of writing this book. I said, no, absolutely not. Do not get them a phone. And and she actually, uh, I saw her somewhere, you know, I don't go to famous, fancy people stuff, but I happened to see her somewhere and she said, oh, you, you did that article on me? You know, I think about you all the time because mm. if I hadn't talked to you, I probably would have been one of those moms who just let them get the phone, let them do whatever. And I haven't let them do any of that. And I see the difference in them and their peers in terms of what's important to them how they spend their time, whether or not they read books. um, Yeah. You know, my daughter is a big reader. She just, she's always got a stack of books by her bedside table. And I firmly believe that's because she didn't have a phone, all her middle school. You know,
0: I just recently took away Scarlett's iPad. She only would have it at night for a little bit and watch something on Netflix. But um, I was like, you know what? For the summer, she's so active at night. I'm going to take it away. So she's allowed to journal or read or she like is into making bracelets. She never once has been like, where's my iPad? She crawls into bed. She writes now or she grabs a book and it's amazing. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going back. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Don't. don't, don't. The screen sucks. It really does. And And she writes about her day or like the other day I came in and she was, um choreographing a dance because she's a big dancer so she was like right now all all the steps and I was like this is so cool I love girls are
1: so amazing my daughter used to design shoes she hasn't gone into fashion at all like but there was this period where she just wanted to design shoes I'm talking hundreds of sketches Uh, yeah like and they were all amazing and I'd say wow maybe she's gonna be a shoe designer but she never went back to it but yeah, and the dancing and the and the reading and the creating and like making little doll. She used to build little dollhouses out of cardboard, paint mm-hmm. them. None of that would have happened if she had been on Instagram or yep. trying to take the perfect selfie. It makes mm-hmm. me so sad when I see like a ten-year-old somewhere trying to take a selfie and I know. Know, everything, and they have to shoot it seventy-five times before they get the perfect one. That's really not what we want them to be. Centered.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they're just living outside of their body. I talk about that all the time. I'm like social media. We we don't live inside of our bodies anymore. We're so used to looking at a selfie, looking in a mirror, society telling us what we have to look like, how, what we have to be like. We, we're just like living out here. We need to get back in.
1: What I know, my reporting. is <laughs> I went to this one talk and I happened to be talking at the same place as Jane Fonda. I was, she was like the headliner. It was about women and girls and feminism. It was in LA. It was a few years ago. And she was the headliner. So because Jane Fonda was there, and then I was like the second or third person to talk. There was a photographer there from Getty Images. And I didn't really, I didn't even know Jane Fonda was going to be talking. I didn't know this photographer was going to be there. I was like, oh, so he's like taking pictures. There's a picture for me uh, from that talk that is so, in my opinion, now this is me talking, this is the part of me that's like influenced by my society. I look so bad. It's so crazy in my mind when I look at it and it pops right up when you Google me. And I'm like, I look like a monster. And I was Aww. like, I, no, no, listen, but will we listen? So I I showed it to my daughter and
0: she's like, I think you look smart. Aww. Yep, I love that. Yep, yeah. that's really cool. That's, yeah, we're not a we're not a mean to it. Definitely, that's
1: the girl I raise. Yeah. yeah, that's the girl I raise, and that makes me proud.
0: It should I love that? Good job, good job, mama. All right, Um, you, mama. is there anything you have coming up that like you want to share with us? And if anybody um, wants to get in touch with you, like how how can they do that easily?
1: You can always get in touch with me through my email. Um, I, you know, I'm 58 years old. And what happens when you get older, especially in some fields, is that people just think you're done. Uh, And it's it's a really terrible thing because now I'm dealing, I've always, as a woman, always dealt with sexism. Now I'm dealing with ageism. Mm -hmm. And it's really awful because I'm not done and I know more than I ever did and I'm a better writer than I ever was because writing isn't something that like it's not like being a basketball player or something like you can't do it anymore you get better at it you just get better and better and better so um, I write for the Guardian newspaper which is a great newspaper I write columns for them on women and tech and stuff but journalism has really changed like it's not the you can't make the living that you once could like I don't know if you knew everything that's happening with the writer's strike in Hollywood but
0: yeah uh, my
1: journalism friends were sort of like yeah welcome to the club that happened to us like 10 years ago but we didn't have a union um they took all the profits and everything and and punished the writers so um I but I'm not done I'm going to write more books. I'm go- I am I want to make another documentary. I have a documentary on HBO Max called Swipes, which is about online dating. You can see it on HBO Max. I have, yeah, I
0: want to watch that. Uh,
1: I have American Girls, which is out there. I have Nothing Personal, which is a memoir, which is out there from a couple of years ago. It came out during COVID. Didn't do great in terms of sales, unfortunately. American Girls was a bestseller. And The Bling Ring, which is awesome. a crime true crime book that I wrote, was a bestseller. But I had the disadvantage of coming out of COVID and also saying, again, once again, something very unpopular, which is like dating apps are bad. For yeah, people. yeah,
0: totally, and totally. People to
1: know that I'm right, but they, uh, yeah. And so I'm sort of like ahead of the curve a lot of the time, which is like a tough place to be sometimes because, totally,
0: like,
1: you know, but I'm not done. I'm still doing stuff. I'm working on some book ideas and hope to make another documentary. And I love as- it as soon as I have I'll put it on social media
0: (laughs) I can't wait to read it see it I can't wait to just see what you do next um thank you so much thank you thank you thank you you. I just loved our conversation thank you for joining another beyond beauty project conversation let's continue to support each other with kindness empowered voices and self-love Visit us at www.beyondbeautyproject.com, where you can find all of our socials. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And listen, Bridget would love to hear from you. Don't be shy. So send us a DM or an email with your thoughts and what you want to hear about. See you, beauties, next time. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content attained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own healthcare provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your healthcare provider or call 911 immediately.